I'm TL, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week at Mass, we say those words, I believe. But our belief has implications on the way we live our life for the rest of the week. We explore those implications together right here on Outside the Walls. My favorite episodes are the ones that very clearly answer that question. What difference does it make that we believe? And uh, so every once in a while, there's just such a really clear correlation between some tenet of the creed and the topic of the show. And today is one of those days. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. So we're in the middle of Lent, and Lent is that time again where we take a look at ourselves and say, all is not right with me. All I, I am not the saint that I am called to be. I'm not there yet, and I need God's grace in order for me to ever get there. It's uh, in some ways a realization that we still have miles to go, right? We still have sanctity to grow in. And uh, maybe you're doing great with your Lenten uh, observances. Maybe you have fasted perfectly and added extra almsgiving to everything. And, uh, and you, whatever it is that you set out to do, you've just done well. Um, this year, that's not been the case for me. I, I said a couple of things that I really wanted to do and I wanted to do well. And, um, that didn't happen in the way that I hoped that it would. But even in our failures, even as we might not um, live up to our expectations or those things that we set out for ourselves, this is in many ways a, a huge success of Lent because even in our failure, we become more aware of our intense need for the mercy of God. This is not a, a kind of thing that, oh, well, look, I, I set this spiritual goal for myself, and look how well I have achieved it. Well, that, that seems kind of counterintuitive, right? Now, hopefully, there, I know that there are some of you out there who set a, a goal, and you have persisted in holiness, and you have uh, f- found just incredible grace, and it has not been a source of pride for you. But I, I do know that it would be very easy to say, oh, look how well I'm doing in my Lenten observance. And, uh, and that can lead us to a place of pride. So here, here it is. If we are offering ourself to God, whether that be in, in a success of self-mastery or whether that be even in maybe a little bit of a stumble in that thing that we set out for ourselves, the end result is that we recognize the insufficiency of our own efforts and the full sufficiency of Christ's offering on the cross, his death, his resurrection, that unified us and gave us reconciliation again with the Father. Today, we're going to be talking about reconciliation, specifically the sacrament of reconciliation, uh, because here in Lent, we are approaching um, Easter. I know that's a surprise, right? But Easter is coming, and the church asks of us that we go to confession at least once a year, and that we receive communion at least once a year. That's all that the church requires. We're invited to so much more, and there are such rich graces available to us in that sacrament. But the church requires that we attend um, confession and receive communion once a year. And so lots of churches around this time of the year have a, um, a penance service where they bring in extra priests 
and uh, and you have that opportunity to go and receive the grace of the sacrament of confession. If there's one in your area, I highly recommend that you uh, avail yourself of that opportunity. But even if there's not, uh, look up the parishes that are nearby you. Um, maybe you've got a few right in your area. Maybe you have to. Maybe if you want to go to one that's not yours, you have to drive quite a distance. Well, whatever the case is, find the confession times. Just maybe you're not ready to go yet, but go ahead and find the times so that you're prepared, so that you can say, you know what, I know when confession is. And then that gives the Holy Spirit the opportunity to have that conversation with you and to help you discern uh, what is needed in your life right now. There are some fantastic examinations of conscience. You can get some uh, on the USCCB website. Uh, you could just Google Ten Commandments Examination of Conscience. There's all kinds of different ones that are out there. Uh, you can look into the, um, the, the Sacred Story stuff over at sacredstory.net, and they have a, a program that helps a person make a whole life confession. It's a, even a little bit more of an intensive uh, than, than what we typically do. But whatever way that you go about this, find an examination of conscience and start with that invitation for the Holy Spirit to come and reveal to you. Because this is not a self-help thing, right? Our confession is not uh, the, a get-out-of-jail-free card. Our, our confession is a reconciliation between us and the Father. We've damaged through our sin, damaged a relationship to God, that he longs for us to have. And so this isn't, hey, I did a bad thing and I want to get out of that bad thing and, and woohoo, I'm free, kind of like the um, if you've ever seen the, the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? He's like, I got baptized. I'm not, they can't do anything to me. I, they can't take me back to prison because I've been forgiven. Right? This is not, this is not what um, confession does. It's not what baptism does. It reconciles us and, and puts us back in relationship with God. And this is not something that, um, man, if I just confess these things, I'll feel better about myself. No, there's, there's an invitation to a sharing in the divine life. There's an invitation for us to let go of all the things that hold us bound and to enter into a joyous relationship with God. And so to go through that, that um, examination of conscience with the Holy Spirit over our shoulder and whispering to us those areas that we need to relinquish and let go of our control over and give over to God so that he can give us his divine life, so that we can be sharers in a deep and intimate relationship with him. We're going to talk more in depth about the sacrament of confession with Father Colin Parrish out of the Archdiocese of Seattle going to be a fantastic conversation where I have him here in studio with me. Join me over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. Come over there and share with me what you use for an examination of conscience. There's much more to come right after this, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Outside the Walls with T.L. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, T.L., 
Today we are talking about the sacrament of confession. Uh, We're still in Lent, and one of the things that the church asks us is that at least once a year uh, that we receive the sacrament of reconciliation and the sacrament of the Eucharist in communion. Uh, And so hopefully you're going more often. Hopefully you're making the uh, going to Mass every week, as you should, and you're uh, able to receive and go forward and, and commune with Christ in that way, in a state of grace. Uh, and hopefully you are recognizing the little things in your life that need to be reconciled to God and making uh, taking advantage of that sacrament that's offered to us. Uh, but at least, at least once a year, here we are in Lent, it's time to start thinking that way before we get into the Easter season. And to help us talk about that, we're talking with Father Colin Parrish, uh, he's a second-year priest, a parochial vicar at St. Luke's in Shoreline, Washington, a high school chaplain at Blanchett in Seattle, and thankfully, right here in the studio with us. Thanks for joining me today. Man, this upper room in your house is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so now you have a connection to our listening audience, You and really unknown to me before you walked in my door. Um, Broken Arrow has a significant impact in your life. It does, yeah. Broken Arrow is... Um, I, uh, I I became Catholic, um, or Christian for that matter, really, uh, when I was in the military, when I was in the Navy. And um, and it was through a chaplain that I had on my ship that happened to be the last uh, Capuchin pastor of uh, St. Anne's and Broken Arrow. And so he always used to talk about the parish. And uh, just so Father Norbert Carava. Um, yeah, it's so it's wild. And then also I happened to be and be an avid reader of an out-of-print science fiction novelist from Broken Arrow <laughs> named R.A. Lafferty, yeah. which means uh, Raphael Aloysius. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, you walked in the door with that in hand, and uh, I just w- started talking about history and mentioned that I had been in Broken Arrow. And you're like, wait a second. How long were you there? And, and all of these connections kind of fall into place. And, I'm, you know, it's one of those confirmations that this evening was meant to be. Exactly. So let's talk um, a little bit about maybe your journey, maybe your first experience with the sacrament of confession as a convert, and then we'll move into it from now on the other side of the screen on the pastoral side. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things I kind of want, was, we were talking about this just a moment ago, but, uh, you know, as far as, as far as like the, you know, the theology side of it, you know, there's like a lot of things I could say about it, but... Um, I usually come at it from what's called a, the side of what's called spiritual theology. That's more of my strong point. And um, anyway, and I guess it's maybe pastoral theology in as much as um, that's a thing. That's usually a newer word. But anyway, yeah, I my first experiences of it um, as a convert was when I did my first general confession. So lifelong confession. Um, and, you know, that took an hour and a half. Yeah, so, you were you were in the navy. I was so. in the navy. Yeah, I mean, I was every stereotype that you would want to fill in the blank with, you know, <laughs> but this it's just a stupid squid. So, um, but yeah, so I had the and you know it was, um, you know, and it was thorough, um, and you know, number and kind. Uh, he also asked me for context, um, and uh, as well, but it was, you know, I mean that was maybe oh like 50, over 15 years ago now mm-hmm. and so or maybe not over 15 but around those about around about there and I, I do remember the effect of that yeah. and 
the effect of that was that I felt like a hummingbird <laughs> afterward, just yeah. flitting around everywhere, stoked, happy. I was actually even part of the story about that is that I did that hour and a half long confession. And then uh, the next event on the course of my day was me um, basically getting court-martialed. <laughs> they, yeah, it was. Uh, it, it's, it's, it wasn't a federal. It was in house, so it's called captain's mast. It's called non judicial punishment. So it's still serious. And I was up on the bridge getting sentenced. And um, anyway, and anyway, they and I, I was smiling. <laughs> I was smiling, and it was. Don't you feel contrite? That's essentially what they were saying. They shit me. You know, right. <laughs> why are you smiling? And I said, "Sorry, sir." And I just blurted it out. "Sorry, sir. I just went to confession." <laughs> and uh the captain who was catholic had no idea what to do with me at that point <laughs> and he goes get out here <laughs> and so i mean you know i mean actually that might be a good way of kind of segueing into this thing where you know receiving the love of christ uh, in the place where i experienced the most darkness um you know the fruit of my own darkness even obviously uh when i see that i'm loved even there it gives me an, an incredible ability of uh, to um, basically, like, in some ways, not really be touched by the world, yeah, and um, to not be afraid. I remember uh, shortly after I became Catholic, someone asked me, uh, "Why do Catholics go to confession?" And and you know, when you're first a Catholic, uh, the experience of many converts is that you you kind of dive into apologetics, and so I. Mm-hmm. I tried to figure out the <clears throat> which layer of the onion to to attack mm-hmm. first to be able to get to the the place where I could show him what we believed about it, and I, I worked on that for a long time and couldn't really find the best way of approach. And then about a year in, I'm like, you know, he asked me why Catholics go to confession, and I'm trying to teach a class when I could just tell a story. Yeah. I could just say, this is why I go to confession, and you know, I grew up in the church. I grew up in in the Protestant church, but in uh, a common baptism. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I I heard all those stories of there's no sin that you can commit that God won't forgive. And all you have to do is ask of him and he doesn't even remember it and you're forgiven. And I I heard all those things and I could have those intense moments of going to a camp or a retreat or whatever and feeling the presence of God and feeling forgiven, but it never lasted. I always, it always would come back and I would think, oh gosh, I did that thing again. And so for me, when I went to confession for the first time, um, I left there because of the incarnational nature of the sacrament, right? Mm -hmm. That, that here is the priest in persona Christi sitting right in front of me and being the voice uh, of Christ to me saying, God, the father of mercies through the death and resurrection of his son has reconciled the world to himself. May God grant you pardon and peace. And I absolve you. And I just, I feel felt more tangible presence of God in that moment than I ever had previously in all my years of being a Christian. And, and from that point I knew, and I never went back and doubted again. Well, maybe I wasn't forgiven. There was something in that grace of the sacrament that was profound in that way. Yeah. I mean, even in, you know, there, um, I'm trying to remember the, the writer or the author or the theologian that said this, but he said that, you know, love always takes a form. You know, love always takes some kind of form, which means something tangible. And even in the Old Testament, we're looking at the cutting of a covenant, uh, you know, with a burning pot and a, and, a, and, a, and a fiery brand going through two halves of a steer. 
right? Right. Which I think should be included in the marriage right. <laughs> uh, or ordination for that matter. Um, but the, you know, like even the ineffable presence of the Almighty in that in the Old Testament context, right, has to take a form in order for me to be able to apprehend um, the reality of what's happening. And so in this case, you know, with confession, it's like, I need to have kind of a seal, uh, um, a, a, a verification in the flesh that Jesus is speaking to me. Yeah. And, um, and that's on that level, you know, it's also that his body is speaking. And there's words that you left out of the formula there, which is through the ministry of the church. Yes. Through the ministry, of, meaning through his body, mm-hmm. through his body. Like, so he is speaking. Mm-hmm. And so. May God grant you pardon and, and peace. peace. Oh, man. What, what a, prof- I mean, I, I just, I get chills even today when I go uh, to confession and hear those words. So I want to back a track just a little bit and talk about a little bit of the logistics of the, mm-hmm. the sacrament. You, you mentioned in your first confession, a couple of things that I, I want to uh, enumerate on uh, you said number and kind. Yeah. Talk about what makes a difference between a good confession and a bad confession and what number and kind means and how someone would approach that. Yeah, so number and kind. Number means how many times you committed said sin, and the kind means what is the sin, you know, basically. I mean, the best way that I can say it. I stole ice cream five times. Yeah, and um, and that's important, you know. Um, that's very much important because when, when I reveal, you know, kind of, you know, when I put my, my heart on the line and I say, you know, I unveil, Right, I allow the Lord to to, to see this unveiled heart. Um, that looks like concrete things, you know, mm-hmm. concrete instantiations of this one particular kind of sin, and that's important. And it's not so that I am going to. It's not a method of like beating myself up. It's a method of saying, like, I want the Lord to see the concrete times. Like that, I <clears throat> preferred myself and caused myself damage. Caused when I when I, you know, offended him. In a certain sense, you could use the word hurt his feelings, but that's a maybe that's a stretch, as it were. And or and also broke communion with my friends. Mm-hmm. And so, and I need to. I really need to have that vulnerability. And I think really that's one of the reasons that that frequent confession is so good. Because yeah. if I if I go to confession that one time a year and I confess, Oh, I did this so many times. Uh, it doesn't even necessarily connect all of a sudden though, if I'm going every two weeks and I'm like, Oh, I did that thing again. Yeah. All of a sudden you start to see the true nature of our relationship with our own appetites and desires. Mm -hmm. No. And I recommend my penitence once a month, I'm, I'm pretty cool actually with two months, although depending on your, your life, mm-hmm. um, two months might be too infrequent. Right. Um, but, you know, because, yeah, I need to see the kind of, not so much progress. I mean, that might be a, a part of it, but, um, <clears throat> man, I need strength. Yeah. I need strength and I need verification. And there is actual grace. I mean, this is a, this is a sacrament. It is an efficacious sign that transmits grace to us. And so we actually receive a grace to go out and and to avoid sin simply by going to confession. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so exactly, you know, I mean, for me, when I, I go every, about every three weeks and for me, like one of the things, one of the ways I know is when I feel, um, what I call like the, um, you know, when it uh, I had the temptation meter, like starting to wrap up, ramp up a little bit. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm getting into the yellow zone. Okay. And, uh, I need a confession, but also when I start seeing like the, the uh, good work meter, right. <laughs> um, starting to tick down yeah. because the conscience, it doesn't just act as a sin detector. It also points us to the good. Mm-hmm. And so having my soul kind of oriented towards the good yeah. is basically, well, yeah, I mean it, having my soul oriented towards the good and avoiding of the, of evil itself allows me to, um, live my life in a much more full way and a much more human way. Yeah. And, and I, I agree when life starts to feel a little bit out of balance one way or the other, uh, it's time to approach the sacrament to ask God for his graces so that I can continue to live a life that, that is conformed to his will. We're talking today with Father Colin Parrish, talking about the sacrament of reconciliation. There's much more to this conversation coming up right after the break. Why don't you join me over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handles at outside the walls. Maybe tell me about your practice. How often do you make it to confession? Maybe you have a story of a penance that revolutionized your faith life and connected you more closely with God. Tell me about it there. There's much more to come right after this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to outside the walls with TL. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, TL. We're talking about the sacrament of confession today. We've got uh, Father Colin Parrish here in studio having a grand old conversation. Uh, Right before the break, we were talking about this whole idea of number and kind, right? We go into the the confessional, and uh, and sometimes we want to kind of dance around what it is that we did, and it's, you know, we're coming into a relationship. We're being reconciled to God. And it's important that we can be honest and say, okay, you know, here I am. We do the act of contrition. We say, in failing to do right and choosing to do wrong, I've sinned against you whom I should love above all things, right? We have this, mm-hmm. um, this admission. And so, uh, you know, maybe we feel embarrassed that there's someone else listening to us as we throw that out. But yeah. I mean, yeah, it's look. It, it welcome to being a human, uh, you know, and like, <laughs> you know, like one of the uh, one of the realities of sin that people kind of forget about because I think it's so primary and basic is the fact that like essentially there's a hiding aspect to it. Like I'm hiding. Um, we see it all the way back in Genesis. Yeah, we, Adam and Eve. The first thing they did when they recognized their sin, they hid. They hid. And so, and then and when the evil one comes to tempt us. Uh, there's two things that he does, or there's many things he'll do. But uh, one of the things that he does is that he isolates us and tells us to hide, right? Um, so, like, the hiding aspect is one that I've I've tried to hit on, you know, well, once in a while in confession with somebody, if I feel it's appropriate, I'll talk about that more in depth. But, but anyway, with number and kind, it's important because if you go into context, like, too much, 
right? Sometimes I'll have penitents come in and those give me all the context that I never really asked for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're just dancing around your own like broken arm as it were. Like, you know, you're, you're, it's like you have a wound and you're just dancing around the issue, right? Like mm-hmm. instead of telling me my arm hurts here cause I think it's broken. Right. <laughs> you know? And so that's when I, I'll ask as a confessor, I can't pry. Um, prying means looking for sins, right? right? But I can say, oh, you're like you were saying that you're upset with your mother-in-law for um, her disrespectful attitude and you got angry. Well, what does that anger look like? Yeah. <laughs> and, and they'll tell me, I'm like, okay, sweet. Now I can, you know, really go deep here. And mm-hmm. I never go deep because in order to shame right. uh, or in order to um expose or inordinately reveal right mm-hmm. it's always so that like the ointment the the, the balm the, the medicine can sink down into the root right and so and that's why number and kind is important is because it gives the confessor an ability to tell you like to help see something and connect some dots so that the medicine goes all the way down to the bottom yeah you know i <clears throat> i recall a couple of times that i in the confessional said, you know, here's the number, here's the kind, and uh, the context was asked for. Tell me about what happened at that. And it, it went to the priest said, okay, well, I'm getting a sense that this is actually what's going on, and what we're looking at here, what you're confessing is the symptom. So let's let's deal with that, but let's also look over here. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I would have never put that together uh, had I not been coming in and, and approaching the sacrament. Yeah, so in in, the, in that case context is important here in that case so you know sometimes i'll get a kind of penitence that'll just give me number and kind which is totally legit right Mm -hmm. and a lot of times i can just be like okay you know but sometimes um i want to get a context on one of those things because maybe there's a combination of sin that's interesting like there's some sins that dance together as it were um and when i see those kind of different combinations i'll be like maybe there's something here and I'll ask for a context. Cause I don't necessarily know that. Right. And so, yeah. And then like, I think the next thing about, you know, penance or confession is like the giving of penance and every priest is super different. So, I mean, I, I give weird penances, but so <laughs> I just do. Now it, can you, without breaking the, uh, the seal, can you give us some examples of some of the penance that you've given in the past that you would consider weird? Yeah, without breaking the seal. I mean, I, I in general, I'll give scripture passages. Um, and I'll, and I'll make sure people have the necessary equipment at home to yeah. read scripture. But um, and if not, that's a nice way for me to sing uh, by a Bible. Um, <laughs> but the you know what I'll do is I'll yeah I'll give a scripture passage that I think is going to be a helpful remedy or maybe an, a door opening for a remedy to begin as far as grace is concerned right so if I have a person that came in and confessed and this is me making up a sin um, but it's really hard to make up sin um, <laughs> let's just say um, stealing money for an opioid addiction since that you know right you know or something like that right. Um, okay, well, let's say that they were, had already dealt with their opioid addiction. That would be kind of an important prerequisite for not stealing. Um, but it's at that point, I would go into some piece of scripture, maybe from even like revelations or one of the gospels Mm -hmm. that talks about, um, like really receiving what you would need. So for example, maybe I could bring up John 13, 
right? The 13th chapter of the Gospel of John where Jesus is washing Peter's feet. Peter's like, don't do that. And Jesus basically is saying, like, you need this, yeah. right? Like, mm-hmm. receive the gift. Yeah. So I'll give scripture passages. And then sometimes I'll, I'll actually quite a few times I'll require fasting. Mm-hmm. Pretty light fasting sometimes. Um, and then I'll do weird ones where I'm like, okay, do you have a crucifix at home? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, you take it off the wall and I want you to sleep with it. You know, because I want you to be remember how you're claimed. Right. Even so when you wake up, you have a physical reminder that you're in the embrace of somebody who made you. One of the most interesting penances I received <clears throat> was to uh, to pray the Our Father ten times, but specifically to pray for pray that prayer in charity for someone who is going through uh, unemployment, which was something mm. I've been dealing with at the time. And and so in charity, praying for someone else out of my own knowledge of that same pain, and that just having that focus and that direction to pray it for someone else just blew that prayer wide open for me yeah. and, and helped me to see it as I'm praying it intentionally in intercession for someone else um, in a way that, uh, that I had never experienced with that prayer before. You yeah. know, it had always been that kind of rote thing that you just uh, rattle off. And here it was getting to the meat of that prayer because I'm praying it for someone else. Yeah, and, and it's really important. Like that, whoever that priest was is really good because one of the things he's recognizing is is that like at the end of the day, sin makes us narcissists, mm-hmm. right? Sin makes us stupid, and it makes us narcissists. Yeah, and so um, get, a lot of times, giving a penance that is like a stretching of my charity or of opening of my vulnerability is a really good remedy mm-hmm. uh, to repair something. And so in my soul or maybe in the, my family context or whatever. Right. Well, I mean, this is the sacrament, one of the sacraments of healing. Yeah. And, and it's to repair our relationship, to reconcile us with the Father. But you mentioned earlier, it's also to reconcile us with the community mm-hmm. because our sin damages not only our relationship with God, but also our relationship with the body, with one another. Yeah. And it's also, you know, it's like, you know, when I when I commit a sin, I wound myself. You know, I, I take, um, and when I when I've been t- I try to tell people is that the Lord doesn't stop looking at you mm-hmm. when you sin, right? When you sin mortally, even right, He's still loving you, right? Otherwise, why would you be going to back to confession? He's already giving you grace to get back, right? right? So He's looking at you, but it's almost like I cut myself and I'm just fixated on the wound, and I can't turn my head around anymore, right, mm-hmm. to look at Him. And confession allows this wound to be healed, right, so that I can turn back around, right, and look at the one who's are, who's already been facing me the whole time. We look at the story of the prodigal son, mm-hmm. where <clears throat> as the son returns, the father is waiting on the hill for him and runs to him, sees him in advance long before he makes yeah. it home, right? There's- and the son doesn't even, even in the embrace, the son doesn't recognize his identity yet. Right. It's only I mean, the story is kind of left open ended, right? But my my take is is it's only once he's within the father's house that he finally realizes his identity. Yeah. Right. Because even in the meeting and the embrace and the father's forgiveness, the son is still going through a conversion. Right. Let me let me tell me you my speech. Let me finish. He pushes away from the embrace. I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you, and and he he's ready to still go through all the way and say, let me be a slave, even though he's in the father's embrace. Yeah. 
And it's just, it, and, and, and who cannot relate to that? Right. You know, who cannot relate to that? Uh, another story of confession. One of the, the most um, probably healing things for me is the, to leave the confessional right at the end. And, and uh, one of my dearest priests <clears throat> would always end it with saying, you're a good man. And there's this whole thought of, well, I'm coming because I don't feel like a good man. And, and he brings up that same thing that you did, that the whole reason that I'm here uh, is because it shows that I want to be in a relationship with God. The very fact that we mm-hmm. approach the sacrament shows our heart's desire is to yes. be unified with God the Father. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some people say, oh, I don't want to go to confession because it shows that I'm a bad person. Quite the contrary. We're, we're all sinners. Yeah. The person who goes to confession recognize that and wants to be back in relationship. And a story and illustration of this just for myself has been this reality of, you know, I remember I, I went to, I had really hard confession in front of this really good priest buddy of mine who's, who's old with me. And so he's, he's a guy that I look up to that I follow, you know, he's a guy whose life that I want to emulate in my own way. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I had this hard confession and then I went to confession before we had dinner with some friends. Right. So I went to confession with him. And so I knew that we were going to have like three hours left together. And I'm like, oh, what is, what is he going to think of me? You know, um, <laughs> and to see how he looked at me afterward, mm-hmm. consistently throughout, right after the confession, throughout dinner and everything, I it really taught me, right? Like, wait a minute, this is how the Heavenly Father looks at me, right? To see that kind of love and affection and delight right yeah. even in the place of brokenness because it like maybe the only thing i the gift i have to give to the lord is my own sin and brokenness right uh you know you look at some people in life um and some of us at different periods of our life like i can't do great works for the lord right mm-hmm. but maybe i can be contrite yeah and so the only gift i have for you lord as it were is my sin mm-hmm. and he takes delight in look and taking that from me as a gift. But not even so much the sin as much as it is the fact that I hate my sin. Yeah. Right? That, that whole Paul thing of I do the things I don't want to do and just saying that mm-hmm. I don't want to do these things, here they are. Uh, that's that's the gift that God wants. Yeah. And also, the, you know, with the 30 seconds we have left, yeah. or, uh, basically I want to say this is that, you know, Francis had, did, Pope Francis did have a good quote, sin is a privileged place where I can count a little mercy of the Father or the Father's love being that being like that what he means by that is this is that it's like the sin represents a disordered desire but Mm -hmm. before there's disorder there's order right and that ordered desire that you're looking for that's the place where you pray from so your sin even your compulsiveness is a place where you can start from and take your desire seriously and pray to the father i don't want to take anymore i want you to give me a gift and so and even your sin can be the beginning point of a very true prayer and that Christ can take a sin and heal it and transform it into something that gives life for the world and gives glory to himself. We're talking today with Father Colin Parrish about the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Maybe there's a penance service coming up near you. Take a look at your church calendar or the ones in your near area. But Easter's coming up, so find the time, make the appointment Go in and avail yourself of the sacrament. There's much more to come in today's show right after this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, TL. Glad to have you with us today. We had a great conversation with Father Colin Parrish of the Archdiocese of Seattle. Uh, had him in studio here, and we talked about a number of different aspects of the sacrament of confession. If you missed any part of the show or you want to share it with someone else, have no fear. All of our episodes are archived over at Outside the Walls. Dot com, And then we also had, uh, we kept him on for maybe about 18 to 20 minutes and had a, a further conversation that we want to make available to you. Uh, we make it available to all of those who support the show through Patreon. Uh, those supporters for as little as $5 a month help ensure that we're able to stay on the air. And as a thank you and gratitude for that $5 a month, I give them weekly extra segments. Uh, there's a couple of free segments up over on our Patreon page. You can get to it by going to OutsideTheWalls.com. Click the Support the Show Patreon link up in the top right-hand corner. Uh, you can get a sense for what that is and take a look at the different levels that you can support us at and get that free extra content uh, while we're at it, including this great extended conversation with Father Colin Parrish today. I, I really, confession is probably one of my favorite sacraments. And, and I know that that's probably an odd thing, but this realization that God longs to pour out his mercy on us, and he meets us right in the middle of our brokenness, knowing full well all that we've done wrong. In fact, Paul in Romans 5 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for the ungodly. The Eucharist is the source and the summit but without that sacrament of reconciliation, without that extended mercy and forgiveness, we would never be able to receive the Eucharist. That forgiveness comes from the cross, right? It's the, the, the Eucharist is the source of that sacrament of reconciliation uh, because it comes from that redemptive work on the cross. But yet that reconciliation then takes us also to the summit where we're able to commune with God and receive from him. And so I love this sacrament, and, you know, I don't always want to go. I don't always uh, enjoy the fact of laying my soul bare and, and seeing that I've committed the same things over and over again. I, I don't like that, and yet I, I am just overwhelmed when I hear the words of absolution because I feel and experience the mercy of God in such a profound way. And I know that there are people who are really nervous about going. And I just want to say, if that's you, if you haven't been in a long time and it makes you uncomfortable to, to tell your sins or to get, go through the whole process, I implore you and invite you into this amazing experience where God wants to pour out on you his mercy to reconcile you back to himself so that you can commune fully with him in intimacy. Let's go ahead and turn our attention to our readings from Scripture and from church history. And these are going to stay right on topic, right? And this idea, of course, as we're getting towards the end of Lent, all of these readings really do kind of point that way anyway. And so we're going to start with the responsorial psalm. This comes from Psalm 130. With the Lord there is mercy and fullness of redemption. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. 
Let your ears be attentive to my voice in supplication. With the Lord there is mercy and fullness of redemption. If you, O Lord, mark iniquities, Lord, who can stand? But with you is forgiveness, that you may be revered. With the Lord there is mercy and fullness of redemption. I trust in the Lord. My soul trusts in his word. More than sentinels wait for the dawn. Let Israel wait for the Lord. With the Lord there is mercy and fullness of redemption. For with the Lord is kindness, and with him is plenteous redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all their iniquities. With the Lord there is mercy and fullness of redemption. That reading comes from Psalm 130, and it's uh, in the format of a responsorial psalm. A reading from church history today comes from a letter by St. Maximus the Confessor. God's will is to save us, and nothing pleases him more than our coming back to him with true repentance. The heralds of truth and the ministers of divine grace have told us this from the beginning, repeating it in every age. Indeed, God's desire for our salvation is the primary and preeminent sign of his infinite goodness. It was precisely in order to show that there is nothing closer to God's heart that the divine word of God the Father, with untold condescension, lived among us in the flesh, and did, suffered, and said all that was necessary to reconcile us to God the Father when we were at enmity with him, and restore us to the life of blessedness from which we had been exiled. He healed our physical infirmities by miracles. He freed us from our sins, many and grievous as they were, by suffering and dying, taking them upon himself as if he were answerable for them, sinless though he was. He also taught us in many different ways that we should wish to imitate him by our own kindness and genuine love for one another. So it was that Christ proclaimed that he had come to call sinners to repentance, not the righteous, and that it was not the healthy who required a doctor, but the sick. He declared that it was to the lost sheep of the house of Israel that he had been sent. Speaking more obscurely in the parable of the silver coin, he tells us that the purpose of his coming was to reclaim the royal image which had been coated with the filth of sin. You can be sure that there is joy in heaven, he said, over one sinner who repents. To give the same lesson, he revived the man who, having fallen into the hands of brigands, had been left stripped and half dead from his wounds. He poured wine and oil on the wounds, bandaged them, placed the man on his own mule, and brought him to an inn, where he left sufficient money to have him cared for, and promised to repay any further expense on his return. Again, he told how that father, who was goodness itself, was moved with pity for his profligate son, who returned and made amends by repentance. How he embraced him, dressed him once more in the fine garments that befitted his own dignity, and did not reproach him for any of his sins. So too, 
when he found wandering in the mountains and hills the one sheep that had strayed from God's flock of a hundred. He brought it back to the fold. But he did not exhaust it by driving it ahead of him. Instead, he placed it on his own shoulders, and so compassionately he restored it safely to the flock. So also he cried out, Come to me, all you that toil and are heavy of heart. Accept my yoke, he said, by which he meant his commands, or rather the whole way of life that he taught us in the gospel. He then speaks of a burden, but that is only because repentance seems difficult. In fact, however, my yoke is easy, he assures us, and my burden is light. Then again, he instructs us in divine justice and goodness, telling us to be like our Heavenly Father, holy, perfect, and merciful. Forgive, he says, and you will be forgiven. Behave toward other people as you would wish them to behave toward you. That reading comes from St. Maximus the Confessor. God, like a shepherd, is waiting to bring us back to his flock. God, like a father, is waiting to clothe us in our dignity. God is not leaving us abandoned or as orphans, but has sent his Son into the world for the forgiveness of our sins, to reconcile us back to himself. A lot of times it feels daunting to think of the idea of going into confession, of even sitting down and facing ourselves and facing our sins and our failures. But what a freedom there is on the other side. How, how worth it it is to sit down and face the, the, the very difficult task of looking at ourselves honestly, of looking at our weaknesses honestly, and recognizing that we don't measure up. We like the idea that if we just try hard enough, if we just pray the right prayer in the right order, all of a sudden we're going to be able to, uh, to achieve holiness. But, but that holiness is a gift that we receive from God. Yes, there's a definite aspect of our will that's involved with it, but our will comes and meets God in his movement. It's not something that we can generate on our own. So I encourage you, take that time this week. Take a look. Uh, ask the Holy Spirit to come and reveal it to you what he wants you to confess. Because remember that the Holy Spirit is not out there just to point at all the bad things we've done and kind of laugh at us and, and deride us. The whole uh, tenor of the Holy Spirit, the whole attitude of the Holy Spirit is that he comes with an eye towards reconciliation and he lovingly draws us and invites us through that examination of conscience to come back to him and offer even our failures as a gift to him so that we can return again to love him with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's all the time we have for today. Today's show was brought to you by a new patron, Anil Thomas, and all of those who support the show through Patreon. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Patreon link, and join their numbers. And until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace.